Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy family. D. Mendy here, back with Marty Party, the Doc, and two special guests. As Little Cheesecake, unfortunately, could not make the show tonight. But don't worry, these two guests are better than 100 cheesecakes. So it is going to be a fun ride. First, of course, Marty Party. Always handsome, always glowing, always ready for some baseball talk. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. I'm so excited for our guest today. I'm excited for the continuing of the World Baseball Classic. Um, yeah, dude, we're almost here. Two more weeks. Let's go. This is the home stretch. We've been doing a lot of off-season shows. We finally can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I know Doc is ready because he has a whole bunch of season-long bets that he's ready to start trying to cash. Aren't you, Doc? October, I'm either going to be a really rich man or a really poor guy. <laughs> that is very true. But you've been uh, talking up some of your bets with one of our guests here who is behind all your picks. So that has to feel good. Uh, and I will introduce him first. This is a man that many are familiar with. This is a man, we welcome in a man, that I just had to show you a graph with a little bar moving. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. He's an MLB and NFL writer for The Athletic. He hosts Cork Stats on the Mayo Media Network. He's also got tons of just great tweets, great algorithm stuff he puts out there. There is only one big Johnny stud out in the world, and it is my friend John Legaza. How's it going, man? <laughs> Yo, what's up, guys? Big cheesecake in the house. Let me tell you, first and foremost, gosh, I was so extremely proud of you boys to see the Triple Play family bring home a FSWA nomination. The, uh, you know, expansion you guys are doing is excellent. I really, anything you guys have been attached to has been very good. So I love, you. you know, listen, I'm, I'm a huge fan first, and now I'm here, and let's make some noise and scream about baseball, you know, while we can for two weeks. Yes. You're you're one of the the guys I feel like we've had on. I mean, it's been at least three or four times. Yeah, we, we can never get enough of you, man. Oh, I can't get enough of you. I love it here, man. It's it's, right it's, it's crazy here. I fit right in. <laughs> we we love you, man. We're so glad to have you on here. Uh, Doc always looks like he. Uh, he's, <laughs> what are you? Doc? He's ready to make money. That's a well, money making face. I know that. Doc face. always looks like face. he's on Molly. I don't, I don't is the vein popping in the middle? Of is that how you spell the drug, Molly? Is that the appropriate I, spelling for the drug? I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or a dig. I don't know, Doc. I mean, that means you're having a good time, right? I guess. <laughs> Our other guest here, he's making his way in the fantasy baseball space and somebody that uh, you guys will definitely be hearing about a lot more during this coming season. That's we welcome in a man who I would say is a winner in a lot of ways, but also uh, needs to pick a new team because <laughs> he is a three-time fantasy baseball league winner. He also is a husband, and he's a dog dad, two awesome things. He also has won multiple charity raffles for Potapalooza, including winning the raffle to get a guest appearance on this podcast. But a fan of the Cincinnati Reds is where I kind of stop your winning right there. Uh, but besides that... Awesome dude, knows his fantasy baseball, been doing home leagues for a long time, and very excited to welcome in our friend here, 
Brad Koppel on the show. What's up, Brad? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Love the show. Been listening to it, picked it up earlier in the off season. So been listening a few months now. Great content. Keep it up. Uh, like Mendy said, uh, won the Potapalooza raffle to get on here and was super stoked that it's one I listened to. So great prize to have. Thanks for having me. Love having you here. Love having two awesome guests here. And also everybody in the chat hanging out. Uncle Ted Talks popping in. What's going on, Jasper? Let's to see you. And um, Toby's welcome is ready for some Kyle Bradish talk tonight. Uh, that, that may be that may be one of the hottest names in the uh, going on right now in, in the fantasy baseball world here. Uh, <laughs> and um, for us, uh, welcomes in Uncle Ted here. So we are all here to finish out our starting pitcher preview. It is a journey to get through the starting pitchers. There's so many good ones. There's traps, there's sleepers, there's breakouts. Uh, so we try to condense as many as we can into three episodes. We conclude that tonight with our starting pitchers, part three. These are looking at guys going after SP 100 on the NFBC ADP over the last two weeks, which is approximately 130 drafts, just to give you a, a more recent sample size of where these pitchers are going. So we'll be throwing to you guys probably 15 plus names tonight, maybe even more, depending on how we're doing. So um, if you have questions about certain ones, whether we bring them up or we don't, just throw them in the chat. We'll happy to answer them. And um, we got the guys to do the, the, the heavy legwork tonight. So let's kick it off. Let's go to my guy, Big Johnny Stud. There's we put in the private chat, and there's also obviously the list you can go off the NFBC if there's a name. Can you repost it for me too? Because I had to leave. Remember? That's right. No, Marty Party. I, I'm going to give credit to Marty Party because he did the legwork for that. That's some know. list, man. Yeah. Wow. He he's a real MVP for that. So, John, <laughs> you you could get anybody from this list, or if there's somebody that's not on this list, you want to go to. Who do you want to bring up first in this basically free discussion? Because these guys are almost free in drafts. Heck is going on? I lost you. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I just got you. That's funny. I'm, I'm hardwired in, so I, maybe, I don't hope it wasn't my end. Okay, I got you now. Can you start again? I would say out of this list or yeah. out of any of the NFBC, is there who's the guy you got to kick this party off with? Who's the first to, to, to the party? Who's the one that you got to have in your draft? Let's do it. You, you already mentioned it. So let's start with the wide awake sleepers, right? Because that, that mm -hmm. is a thing. People are getting sharper and sharper. Hopefully, sharper people are following my work. I'm breaking this stuff down from Christmas, right? So sometimes names that might have been sleepers a couple of years ago, people have kind of had, you know, the tips of their tongue. So it's my dude, Kyle Horse Bradish on the Orioles. You know, first things first, we have to be careful with these team narratives, right? It's so easy. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan, right? Growing up, mm -hmm. the Orioles are terrible. So it's very easy. To, yeah, they're terrible. They're terrible. Now they changed pitching coaches, okay? They have a Houston bloodline in there. And they've actually been very good developing young pitchers, right? In the past couple of years, we've seen some quality stuff. Plus, they've changed the ballpark to fit the pitchers. Anthony Kyle Bradish, he has just been excellent, man. And really, the things I like to see maybe more than anything are, you know, people love to just quote pitch mix, pitch mix. But it's going to be a positive pitch mix, right? Just because mm -hmm. we mix it doesn't mean it's better. One of the funnier things I think we're noticing now is that this revelation is, Let's throw our best pitches more. As if this was um, to me, it's funny. Oh. We laugh. We laugh, right? The galaxy brain exploding, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's not something that was being done all the time. Oftentimes that was looked down upon. You were you were pitching backwards, and it means you didn't have a fastball that was good enough to play in the bigs. But that's not the case. If you have a slider like Bradish does, which is, you know, absolutely filthy, 
-hmm. You don't need to throw a fastball 55% of the time. So slider, everybody, if you're unfamiliar with my work, I like to use a triple slash. I brought this up at the Athletic, and it's kind of caught on usage, X-slug, whiff rate. Makes sense? How often do you throw it? How hard does it get hit? How many whiffs does it generate the slider off the page? 30% use to a 309 X-slug and a 33% whiff rate. Yeah, we want to throw that more. He knew he was having some trouble with the steepness on the fastball. They began incorporating a sinker, a power sinker for Bradish also, which, you know, people always worry, oh, sinker's like not any good. If your fastball is getting obliterated, then yes, you can throw a sinker if it's going to limit that contact to allow you to work down in the zone because that was mm -hmm. the problem. The fastball, if you have a fastball that's too steep, and you throw it down in the zone, right? You create a parallel angle to go out, you know, uh, an opposing angle to go at, at, into the stands. So that's why you want fastballs flat and up. So you, cause you can't meet them at an angle that puts them out of the yard. Mm -hmm. So I like all the changes we've seen from Bradish. Then he showed up in the spring. He's got a few extra miles an hour tacked onto there. And as a nefarious cheapskate, he's insanely cheap right now. So I, I love it. Wheels up for Bradish, man. You know, you can get him as like, he could be your SP 9, 10, maybe on NFC where you mm -hmm. don't even him in a more shallow league and i think that's what you really what you want right because if he comes out and starts shoving the fair price the waiver price can be off the, off the chain you want to get in there first yeah i mean kyle bradish it's one of those things now with analytics you said throw the best pitch more often he had i think eight strikeouts in four innings the other day he really looked like the real deal and somebody that with the increased velocity and just everything else around him Looks like he could really be an awesome guy this year. In the ground ball rate last year, acceptable 46%. Uh, fly ball rate above major league average, twenty nearly 26% as well. There, the stuff is there. Um, and I was listening to Rates and Barrels the other day, and, and I think even players adapting, getting rid of this, just the fastball approach and going, I think it was sinker, sweeper, and um, it was sinker, sweeper, and um, Cutter, I think, were the three pitches that they were talking about that a lot of teams are developing in the minor leagues uh, for them to throw those three pitch mix. And that's kind of like the new age of way they want pitchers to develop. So if Kyle Bradish gets rid of throwing the four-seamer and goes heavier sinker to go with that awesome slider, uh, big changes could be coming in, in a positive way for him. So I think he's the poster boy for this section as it's become now. As it seems like his name is being bought up everywhere, and, and rightfully so. Someone you should be very excited about. Marty Party, we were talking about somebody before the show started, and I want you to go ahead and crack the beer open and be able to uh, talk about this guy first. And then I know John wants to to hop in and clean up the rest that you uh, that you might not finish with him. So go ahead and, and talk about this man. All right, perfect. Josiah Gray, uh, Washington Nationals, the 108th pitcher off the board, going about 432 in average draft position. 25 years old. He was the guy that they traded um, at the Dodgers traded um, to get Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. So big prospect pedigree. I'm getting him like around like the 25th round. He's my eighth uh, starting pitcher in the triple players ball. So, um, mm -hmm. so let's just start with the bad last year was, was brutal for him. You know, first full year up in the majors, he gave up the most walks in the NL. He gave up the most home runs in all of baseball. So two two big bugaboos there. But silver lining, 4.25x ERA compared to his 5.6 um, ERA. He had a 24.7K percentage, which is slightly above average. So the K percentage is a little bit higher. Um, pretty solid X ERA. And like what was wrong with him? Like just from like his mechanics were all over the place. He had an inconsistent lineup. Um, he was tipping his pitches. 
And even with all of that, like his stuff, his location, his pitch plus, we're all just barely slightly below average. So he's finally had a full year to work on it. He's worked on his mechanics all offseason, focusing on the repeat, repeat ability of his windup. So his command should be more, uh, more improved. His pitch mix is something he focused on. And he wants to attack hitters more effectively. So he's still working on the art of pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just what I see, like from he's projected the pitch at least 150 innings, 160 strikeouts. Their improved uh, defense behind him. The Nationals were the second worst um, defense in all of baseball last year, which led to his uh, little bit bloated ERA. So um, where he's going in drafts, he's completely free. And you know you love when you bring up a guy, and Johnny ha- hits you with some amazing stats to make you feel even <laughs> yeah, better I've- about him. So he. I'm all right, let's see what to do. The floor, buddy. <laughs> all right, all right, we do it quick. This had to do with my again. It's you know, it's a thirst for the whys. A lot of people give you the what's can read you the stats from fan graphs. I like to figure out why. Like when you say what makes a fastball bad, a lot of it has to do with shape. Again, I mentioned steepness. We I don't have to get too far into the weeds. The idea was I just ran diagnostics on the fastball leaderboard in the entire league. So there were only nine pitchers in all of baseball that had a fastball with a. Remember, sub 13 inch vertical movement. You want vertical movement as low as possible. That's the idea of a rising fastball, right? None of these fastballs rise. The gravity is a thing. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't sink as much as the field and hitters with a lifetime of experience. You have expectations of sink. That's just what the world is, right? If you throw mm-hmm. a ball up in the air, you have an idea of how long it would take to come down. If the ball suddenly didn't took a different amount of time, it throws off your timing. That's the idea of using shape in accordance with location. So that's keep that compartmentalized. So with a sub 13 inch vertical movement and more than 10 inches of horizontal movement, run the thing that we want more run, the better, more tail, Mm -hmm. the better generally. So nine pitchers. Okay. Stop me when you figure out what these guys have in common. Garrett Cole, (laughs) Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander, Shane McClanahan, Hunter Green, Michael Kopech, Kevin Gaussman and Josiah Gray. I mean, so there's something there for me. Sometimes like the list is the list. Like it's not right. Causation and correlation are not always the same, but sometimes when the list gives you nine of the best pitchers walking the face of the earth and is one other guy, maybe his fastball is not that bad. Maybe it's location. The other thing that I'm worried about, because I don't necessarily disagree with Marty. I think there's a lot there. I also think the secondaries don't get talked about enough. The slider and the curve. Both have a 32% whiff rate. These are very good pitches. The problem is the fastball, which we mentioned, but maybe for me more importantly, the reason why I'm not really drafting high gray is the environment. Now that we've had the universal inception of the humidor, I've been looking at ballparks just in terms of this last year because we don't we don't know exactly how it changed. So I'm not trying to model in data before we change the constant. So here, just check it mm-hmm. out. This is Washington. For right-handed hitters, this is last year. Washington, whatever ballpark. I can't keep up with these corporate names. Washington Field, <laughs> whatever. It's so stupid. It really is so stupid. That stuff drives me nuts, man. So Washington home run to fly ball, right? Again, we don't want to just use totals because it depends who is hitting there. So right. Washington was number two in home run to fly ball rate from right-handers, twenty point seven percent. Twenty point seven percent of all home runs off the bat of righties in Washington went in the seats. This is freaking bananas because he's a fly ball pitcher. He does have the shape to work up in the zone. He hasn't figured it out yet. So this is when we get into like, is he going to do it? 
I don't know if he's going to do it. I think he has the tools to do it. The problem with Washington is if you fail, you're going to be wholly punished. So home run to fly ball, and it goes across the board. I think home run. So, yeah, home run to barrel, same thing at the top of the board. Number three. So that number is actually 55.5%. And you'd say, Mm -hmm. okay, 55% of barrels going out kind of makes sense, right? No, Mm -hmm. not the case. No, no, not all. There's only six parks where it was over 50%, you know? And in fact, check this out. There are five parks at 40% or less. Oakland, San Fran, KC, Baltimore, and Detroit. Meaning only a third of the barrels go out in certain parks. More than half go out in others. If you're going to get barreled up in Washington, you're going to get punished. If you're going to get barreled up in Colorado, Cincinnati, Seattle from righties, you're going to get punished. So that's where my mm-hmm. worry. I didn't mean to poke up against you, Marty, because I am a Josiah Gray guy. I think everything you said is right on the nose. My problem is he needs a lot of things going for him to take advantage of the full pack, right? He has to overcome a slight I don't want to, it's not a drop in velocity, but normally guys that work up in the zone are 96 plus. He's more like 95. You know, mm-hmm. so he needs to overcome a touch of velocity and location and ballpark. So, I mean, the price is there. And I think at, at, on the road where his ERA was probably two runs lower than it was at home, right? It had mm-hmm. to, I think it had to be. Yeah. Home 612 away 411. So right on the nose, two runs per nine more. You know what I mean? Big difference. So just be careful with Washington guys. Last thing I'll quickly say about that, um, and this was on the fantasy baseball beat. Um, the, uh, the beat writer for the nationals said that the Washington nationals have embraced analytics in their pitching staff more than ever. So they're looking for, you know, I'm for hire. Okay. I'm for hire. Yeah. Check me on Twitter for nationals. I I think I'm going to add three wins to that team if they hired me, you know? (laughs) I mentioned, um, Toby brought up a couple names, but one of the names that is someone I've actually grabbed a decent amount of is Ken Waldachuk. Is he a guy, and anybody can jump in on this, is he a guy that you you guys are trying to find yourself targeting here? I mean, there's Kyle Muller that goes right around where Ken Waldachuk goes. There's uh, Fujinami uh, from Japan that's also with the team. Like, There's innings to be had for this Oakland A's starting rotation. Their ace right now is Paul Blackburn. So um, if you're decent, you'll pitch for Oakland. Um, what, how do we feel about Ken Waldachuk? And, and again, I mean, just to kind of lay it out, if anybody wants to hop in, this is a guy that maybe doesn't have the best velocity, but he's always been very crafty with how he delivers the ball. He uses a lot of deception with how he pitches. And I've always really liked that about him. Remember, he's with the Yankees before in the Frankie Montas trade. So um, he's he's someone I've actually, he was one of my favorite minor league pitchers, had awesome strikeout numbers in double A. And I think he's my favorite upside pick for this Oakland A's rotation, I think could bring the most return for where you're drafting him. I like him more than Kyle Muller. I like him more than Fudunami. Um, obviously there's Paul Blackburn there. Uh, they have, uh, James Caprellian. Jay, they also have, um, exactly. one of the guys I like, um, JP Sears, I like who, for, who for four inning, four innings will give you, you know, okay. Numbers like four innings, two earned runs, three K's, stuff like that. Uh, I think Walter sucks the highest upside player of the bunch. Um, anybody have that. anything else? I mean, his about stuff's him? his stuff's nasty. I mean, yeah, yeah. it grades out well. His commands lackluster at best, but I mean, where you're getting them in that ballpark, mm-hmm. you know, it's not too bad. Yeah, I think you got it too. He's he's probably the best case for strikeouts in Oakland. Yeah, you're gonna have a tough go in Oakland, right? Because you're not really gonna get any wins. 
the ballpark with there is going to protect it big time because anything you can get popped up is an automatic out. There's so much space. There's so mm-hmm. much space out there. But I think Walter Chuck, I think the I think the arrow is definitely pointing up for him. You know, the, the fastball grades out pretty well. It's not too steep, but he has a good amount of run on it. And he pairs mm-hmm. it with two really good secondaries, right? The sweeper and the changeup have 30% whiff rates on them, mm-hmm. which we're really looking at. He struggled a little bit with the changeup command. But again, he's a very young man. You know what I mean? And I hate to bash my Yankees as much as I love them. They don't do a great job developing young pitchers. It's, not, it's just not a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing the Yankees have really done. The Yankees have more gotten minor leaguers that other people want, and they just kind of ship them off. We don't ever get to see them in New York. Because I personally think it's because the Yankees are afraid if you see their damaged goods, mm-hmm. you will want them. I think it's so crazy they don't have like the best one of the best pitching development teams there are with all the money they have and you yeah, know, the resources. The are they yeah, the worst? Insane. Remember when Sonny – imagine it. Man, man, man I wish I mean, the they Yankees just had Lance it. Lynn or, or Sonny Gray. Man, would that be awesome if the Yankees had Lance Lynn? Lance <laughs> they Lynn just, and Sonny Gray were they just, established. They left here. They just traded seven. away – Um, they just traded away Hayden Wisniewski. You're going to make me do that? Okay. You want to – oh, okay. Since, since we're quoting my tweets. Yeah, that was another one. In the last seven months, the Yankees <laughs> have traded away Hayden Wesneski and Jordan Montgomery – and not – they have not even impacted the opening day roster. Think about that. Jordan Montgomery seems, feels like a lock for 180 quality innings. He's good. He's not great. But he's going to he's gonna get it done, right? He's cerebral. He's got good control. He goes deep in the games. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Wesneski might be the other, like, most wide-awake sleeper there is on this board this year, right? He's – it's almost like – the guys – it almost feels corny to mention him as sleepers, right? A little bit. It's funny because they <laughs> traded Jordan Montgomery, and I feel like at this point he started more games for the Cardinals than Harrison Bader has played games for the Yankees. And I might have to look that up, but <laughs> that's actually no, that's good. hilarious. Actually, yeah, it sounds like something that's probably true. <laughs> I thought they were trying to. Yeah. I thought the Yankees were trying to telegraph that Judge would, was going to walk, and Bader was going to like play center. Not that he's a third of the ball player ever Judge is. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yankees are terrible. You know, they really are. Because they had Sears, Waldachuk. Well, you could you could build a full rotation from the Yankee parts they've jettisoned. They got nothing for them. And, and somehow they managed to get rid of Sonny Gray, send him to Great American Ballpark behind me, and actually have Gray improve. He wouldn't stay if they yeah. paid him because they wouldn't let him throw the slider. And it's like, yeah, yeah see, so so they're more to what you're saying. Like, it, they, they believe in analytics, but I don't believe they believe in the malleability of analytics. Like, they believe the computer program tells you X and you must jam the peg in the hole. That's not that's not necessarily mm-hmm. how these things work, right? These are people, these are humans, we have error bars on stuff like that. The Yankees are trying to force a cutter down everyone's throat. Now, to that point, and maybe we'll get to a couple of these guys, if you hear the Yankees have a pitcher that they're making throw a new cutter, Schmidt, <clears throat> those are guys you want to get with. Because the guys, the, that is the one thing that the Yankees have succeeded with. The guys that adapt to mm-hmm. their very preformed plan, right? So I disagree with the fact that the Yankees predetermined the plan. I don't, I don't apologize for them. But when a player falls in line with that, then they get huge production of them. So I expect tremendous year from Clark Schmidt. I think he's going to be tremendous for the Yankees. That's another great target in this range here. Yeah, Brad. Well, we haven't heard from you yet. I would love to hear if there's a name on your list that you're looking in this range. Thanks. So before I get into the name, I kind of have to explain my logic at this portion of a draft or an auction, because it's weird to say, but I'm not necessarily taking who I think is going to be the best guy at this point. So early in the draft, take your guy, go up and get him. And when you're deciding between two guys, take the one who's going to have a better year in your mind. 
But at this point of the draft, I actually value roster flexibility even more. So I want someone that I can figure out pretty quickly if he's got it going this year, or if not, I'm going to cut him, uh, drop him, then either use fab dollars or use a waiver claim to go ahead and get a starter who's had one or two good outings in April or a reliever that surprisingly picked up the save and try to get ahead of the rest of the league and picking up those guys. So, uh, or looking at picking up someone who who's getting an opportunity from an early inning. Like if you look at 2022, Tyler Anderson, he wasn't mm-hmm. a sleeper at this time last year. So he was what the seventh, maybe eighth pitcher on the Dodgers depth chart. So mm-hmm. what ended up happening though, is there were a couple injuries. It looked like Anderson was going to get a couple starts. So I went ahead, picked him up, plugged him into my lineup. I figured, Hey, worst case, it's a Dodger. Even if he only gives up, only goes five innings and gives up five runs. He still has a 50-50 shot at the win. And I ended up with a pseudo ace the whole year having that. Now, with that said, I'm not going to try to draft someone at this stage of the draft who's two injuries away from playing because he's going to be sitting on my bench. And then I'm not going to have a decision whether or not he's the right guy. So I'm then having to decide to drop him without that information. So I want people who have jobs here. So depending on my roster construction earlier, I usually go one of two ways. So if some of the starting pitchers I drafted earlier are going to miss time. So last year, my boy, Luis Castillo, who's now on the Mariners, um, he was going to be out for about four weeks, three to four weeks. So I needed to have people who I could plug in. If I have Carlos Rodon already on my roster, I have holes in my starting lineup. Then I'm looking for someone who can contribute in week one. If I don't need to plug someone in my roster and I know they're sitting on my bench, I'm willing to chase upside more. But again, I don't want someone sitting in the minors or sitting in middle relief where I'm not going to be able to make an informed decision a couple weeks in. So I want someone who's going to be on the back end of a rotation or, or mid rotation and getting the starts. Um, and my concern with Waldachuk is really, even if he performs well, how bad are the A's going to be? I'm not going to be looking for mediocre pitchers there or mediocre pitchers mm-hmm. on my reds. Instead, I'm going to be looking for guys on the Astros, on the Yankees, ones who are in the rotation, having jobs and going to get some wins. So if I'm looking for someone who's just going to get um, innings and, and I have to play day one because I have Radon sitting on my bench, I'm looking for a Domingo Herman on the Yankees, someone who I know is going to get starts. He's going to have an mm-hmm. offense behind him that can knock in some runs and give him a chance to get a win, even if he doesn't perform. Uh, and depending on the injuries, if Ian Anderson breaks camp and, and is in the starting rotation on the Braves, Braves are still loaded as a team. I'd take a flyer on him, have him sit on my bench, not start him day one. If he rediscovers the magic from a few postseasons ago, then all of a sudden mm-hmm. I have a potential stud, stud like Tyler Anderson last year. Uh, if I don't, then I cut Ian Anderson, and, and it's no harm, no foul, and I pick up someone who had two good starts in April. So basically kind of a synopsis of what you're saying is take kind of guys at the back end of rotations or kind of on the cusp of a rotation spot on good teams Exactly. Be able to so, so last year, and they've moved up in the draft this year, but I had Jose Urquidy. He was going to be on the Astros. He was towards the back end of the rotation, but the Astros mm-hmm. are going to win games. Did he have a great year? No, but he picked up some wins for me. Um, Tyler Anderson, again, not not day one of the draft of where he was last year, but if you can find someone like that who's at the back end of a rotation that's going to get wins, all of a sudden, if you have him take a step forward, like we're hoping the wall to chuck will do, He's going to be winning 15 games um, mm-hmm. rather than a Waldachuk who might take a step forward and win seven or eight. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got one really good thing on Herman. There's a good lesson for everyone out there uh, beyond just some a little player analysis. There's some good, like, you're going to be applying this and go, oh, okay. So 
one of the things I've heard in regards to Herman is uh, whatever the output we saw is not sustainable. I, mm-hmm. I I tend to think he's pretty good, right? Last year, three sixty one ERA, one sixteen WHIP, seven thirteen OPS, all pretty average. You know, he doesn't really walk guys, which is cool. You know, he gets some chases. He's okay in the zone. You know what I mean? It's like he's it's up and down. He's okay. The thing I've heard that that's been bothering me that I think we've seen again. I spent a lot of my time, listen, playing against people much smarter than me. So I have to try and find edge where I can. And the one of the piece of analysis I've heard against Herman is the fly ball rate, right? So mm-hmm. this really high fly ball rate, you know, in the 40s, at least always, right? It's always in the 40s. And that is why you see his home run to fly ball rate being regressed, you know, by everybody. Fan, I don't mean to blame, whatever, fan graphs, everybody, whoever it is. And you've seen that reflected in the home run per nine, which, again, directly affects the ERA. Okay, so just to give an idea of how these projections kind of work, right, a lot of regression mathematics, which, again, in general are going to work more often than not. But we're, this is not a, we're not casting a wide net. We're talking about one single person. So the thing that – here's the lesson that really matters. When you look at fan graphs, GB plus LD plus FB equals 100, meaning ground ball, line, drive, fly ball, they equal 100. Part of that – puzzle the formula that's missing are the infield flies those are calculated separately but they're a part of fly balls so when you have a player like Domingo Herman who also pitches backwards which I really like he throws that filthy curve like all the time right he leads with the curve which again I like he's got a good fastball again not great speed but like Josiah Gray 14 times 10 vertical horizontal it's a good pitch he could work up in the zone he forces a ton of pop-ups. I mean, he forces a ton of pop-ups because Domingo Herman works down so often that when he works up, it's like a relative, it's like relatively higher even than normal. Mm-hmm. So be careful looking at 42% fly ball and saying tons of home runs, tons of home runs. He's like a league leader in infield flies. You know what I'm saying? And it's because it's because of the way that he pitches, right? So the Yankees now, that isn't one of the things the Yankees have been very good with. You see it in Jacob Cole working up in his own, forcing pop-ups rather than home runs. Domingo Herman, 19% of those 42 were pop-ups. Those have like a yeah. zero batting. Those have a zero XBA, right? So if you were to reverse engineer that and you were to say, well, I believe the fastball shape and the attack plan make the infield fly rate sustainable then you'd have to turn the dials down on all the regressions that are going mm-hmm. on, regressionary tactics, right? So if you if you think, wait, no, no, I'm watching this. Those No, 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 because his misses are out of the zone up, you know, we, hopefully at least, or the majority mm-hmm. of his is. The idea being, well, even when he misses, there are home runs, the misses are balls. So you shouldn't regress the home run and the fly ball stuff the way that it's being. So it's just giving an idea of where there's more edge. It's weird. Like in this age of projections, whether or not you use them stringently, which I, I don't, I use them. I more use them to know how to counteract people using them too strictly, right? Because whether or not you believe in them, you have to understand a segment of the population really uses these things. They plug them into computers, and that's where they get the answer from. So we need to find out, you know, me meaning like the mouth breathers out there, need to find out where can we differentiate in a logical and validated way. Right. And I think that's one of those ways that fastball shape, again, not something you find in fan graphs because that's what we're getting a lot of. K minus walk is a skill, right? We, that's not really, that's still an output. 
as much as we hate to admit it, right? So just give people, I know it's like 17 lessons, but I think that that stuff really matters. Like the when yeah. when I when that hit me, I went, wait, wait a minute, wait, what? A third of the fly balls are are infield flies. You know what I mean? Then like it just yeah. takes a little more nuance. I think I, as I get older, I'm starting to learn. I think the regression, like I said, wide brush it works, broad brush it works. Fine tooth, no, not not as much. So Sometimes don't be don't be afraid to buck the system, is what I mean, you know. It's a good lesson. Um I think if, if you kind of ride how the system is or you, you go with what everybody's used to, or you, you know, you're looking, you know, we were talking before about everybody looking at projection systems and uh, just how much you can find edges if you don't just go with the grain um, and, and try to find more information, dig into things that you're, you're learning new things. That's how you're going to win in fantasy baseball. Yeah, I think I more than any a, other thing. So. A t-shirt with John against the machine, you know, and a yeah. picture <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, it's so funny. I, I don't really see myself as that. I more try and fit. I want to feel like I'm not saying I'm following along, but like I understand as good as I am at player analysis, there are people who are much better at putting the Roto puzzle together. So at the same time, I'm trying to learn from people better than me. Yeah. But you also can't just accept things that you don't think are right. And I think we get a lot of that. People that, I mean, you hear it. We hear it from very smart people. I don't know, but the projections say. What yeah. does that mean? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I'm not sure what that means. Like a computer program. It's like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. You got to do your own work, right? It's okay yeah. to incorporate it, but you got to do your own work because that, that kills me. The production said. I thought this was funny because, um, what was it, two weeks ago, we had the Prince Fielder incident come up on this show. And <laughs> Ford says, I was probably some picture stuff in an article where K Rod, <laughs> when he was a Met, punched his father in law in the stadium. Did you guys ever heard of that? I think I remember no. that. I'm from, you know, I'm from the, uh, yeah. Yeah. What? I think I remember that. Can we just ha- keep having these random nuggets drop in here? Uh, we, we didn't, we didn't realize that Prince Fielder and Adolis Garcia, or, um, uh, as v- Vicio Garcia, or he slept, Vicio Garcia slept with Prince Fielder's wife. Oh, no way. <laughs> yes, he didn't know that either. Yeah, it was like in 2012, the Tigers oh were making their, their big push, and we called up Avi Sal Someone Garcia. Someone else making a big push. Yeah, hey-o. <laughs> hi <laughs> But yeah, that's why uh, Fielder got, tra- you know, he wanted to get traded, and he got he got sent to Texas the next year. No, okay. Look it was wild, right? I, don't, I usually stay with on-the-field stuff, but that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that just reminded me of that. Uh, his name was brought up earlier. I just thought we'd go back to it. Ian Anderson, uh, and he was optioned. He was but optioned, I, yeah. I, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I remember reading something. They said the first two series, they don't need a fifth starter because of the off days so that they are able to go and they could bring him up after the first two series. So I, I wouldn't necessarily look into that. He wouldn't be there anytime soon. I think it's yeah. just they know the schedule so they can do that. Highlight your own excellent lesson. There's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of that. People overreacting to the option news. Mm-hmm. Dave, you left such a great point. Just make, go check the schedule first. Yeah. Because right, that's not like oh he's demoted. That's not necessarily he. I don't know who's getting the fifth spot, but that is not like some definitive he's out type of thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some people hear that and go oh you're off the draft list, and I, I wouldn't right. react. Okay, sorry. Doc, I would love to hear one of your sleepers in this range if you would be so kind as to talk to us. Oh, thank you, David. I thought you never would ask. Um, oh, I, I love hearing your opinion, Doc. I love Braxton Garrett for where he's going this year. Somebody that has a secure rotation spot even more now that Pablo Lopez got traded to David's beloved Minnesota Twins. He threw 124 innings across three levels last year. And for some reason, all the projection systems have him below that, in the 107 to like 117 range. I don't see why it would necessarily go down considering he was on the injured list last year 
for uh, about half of August and the beginning of September. But across his 88 major league innings, a 3.58 ERA, and you break that down into 17 starts. Two of them, he had 10 plus Ks. He actually had 11 um, on there, and he went at least four innings in all of them. Gave up five earned twice, but other than that, kept everything relatively, um, you know, in check. 87th percentile in chase rate. I think he's going to be one of those guys that it, he he will be a little bit volatile, but I think he has a very high ceiling. And once again, in the range we're talking about past picks 100, I want a guy that can give me double-digit strikeout upside. Okay, I like it. Um, let's I think go. you made him a left out. Wait, the, I think the biggest thing, Doc, is – He's sitting behind like the most fragile rotation that there is. Yeah, it's honestly true. There, that rotation yeah. is hanging by an absolute thread. Is Trevor Rogers the most reliable pitcher in that? Outside of Sandy, of course. But I mean, heaven, if something happened to him, forget it. They're really finished. But you can, you cannot rely on that Miami staff whatsoever. Lazardo's hanging by a thread. Cabrera's hanging by a thread. Even Rogers has been was up and down a touch. Mm-hmm. I love the Braxton Garakol. Also, more uh, selfish uh, shaming. Uh, Shameless promotion of my Twitter feed. I posted this today again. Um, since Alex Chamberlain posted his board back, I've been in like, you know, kid in a toy store. So I did some screening <laughs> stats. Second half, check this out. This is tweeted just today. Braxton Garrett propaganda incoming. Okay. Only 23 pitchers with at least five games started in the second half posted a 25% whiff rate along with a sub 330 expected Woba on contact. Now, as geeky as it sounds, that's and that's what notice. These are the things that are part of my triple slash, because that mm-hmm. those are the are the descriptions that matter. I don't talk about predictive. I, I don't can't see the future. I just know what happened. Elite whiff rates and elite contact suppression. I mean, the the again when we were just talking about like the list. Like sometimes the list is good. Okay, let's try out the list, guys. Otani, Nola, McClanahan, Javier, Dylan Cease, Jesus Lazardo, Clayton Kershaw. Framber Valdez, Tristan McKenzie, Braxton Garrett, Max Freed. Sometimes that's how you find these guys. So I mm-hmm. am all about Braxton Garrett. He is one of my favorite sixth men, you know, let's call it, in the league. I think that's another one. I've heard you guys speak about this before, and I don't think it could be understated. Yeah. Draft sixth starters. They yep. might be the best values mm-hmm. anywhere, right? Because no one is interested in them, and they're like, a guaranteed injury way. Every single six starter is going to get 55 innings, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a great spot, Doc. Awesome pick, man. Braxton Thank Garrett, you. for sure. And, and yeah. just to piggyback and give our guys at the Fantasy Baseball beat a shout-out, when they had Craig Mish on and they were talking about Mel Stottlemyre as the pitching coach and how respected he is and how he helped Sandy mm-hmm. with his ascension, like that's something I don't think you can take for a grain of salt. Like We, we trash teams that have bad pitching coaches – but I feel like a lot of times we don't hype up good teams that have pitching coaches. Miami, for sure. Is there a, a, another great point? I know I was a tough on them as far as health goes. Realistically, from like a stuff filth standpoint, Miami's got to be right up there with almost mm-hmm. anybody. You do not want to face any of those guys. Again, you could laugh, oh, they won't make it healthy. But let's say right now you had to face that combination of pitchers. They're mm-hmm. extremely tough. Man, yeah. they are very tough. And, you know, Sandy does the entire team – such a, a favor by going seven, eight, 14 innings every time out or whatever. You know what I mean? He's such a, he's such a horse that that kind of feeds. Unfortunately, the rest of the rotation depletes that strength. Yeah. And I think that's the determining factor for Miami. But yeah, I love Gary. He's again, he's got to be one of like six or eight or even 10 
six starters that I think are going to be awesome and winning leagues this year. Yeah. I think we need a segment on the uh, when the season show starts. We have like all our segments. We do like six men and like do something like a musketeers like and then just have like our top six men like rankings being like these are the next guys that could step in the rotation and the guys that you should roster before an injury happens and just like have uh, have a little fun segment. That just made me think of uh, what you were saying that, John. That's kind of like, it could be, I like <laughs> I think be funny. I don't know. Let me put in the comments if that's something that's cringy or you guys like that or not. Um, one thing I did want to add here is there was a name we put in the private chat that I think I want to make sure we get to. And that's Matthew Boyd, who is also, we were talking about um, earlier with um, Kyle Bradish. I feel like Matthew Boyd's one of the other big names that's starting to shoot up draft boards. And I think another outing or two like he's been having, and he's not going to be in this range much longer. Um, do you guys have any thoughts? Is this a mirage for Matthew Boyd? Is this tangible changes you're seeing from him? Because he seems like he's completely changed his pitch mix and he's a different pitcher. Um, does anybody have any thoughts? Marty, obviously you're the Detroit Tigers homer on this show. Right. And you've seen you've seen the bad Matthew Boyd, you've seen the good Matthew Boyd, you've seen the ugly he's Matthew Boyd. He's one of my guys. He's one of my guys for this, for, there for we this go. area. So I knew it. So I was, that's the perfect transition. Go ahead. There we go. Perfect segue. That's why that's why you do the hosting, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Matthew Boyd, uh, 114th SP off the board over the last two weeks, 485 ADP. Just two years ago, he had a 200 strikeouts and 185 innings pitched with a you know a mid fours ERA in nine innings so far in spring training, 17 strikeouts. I'm gonna repeat that. 17 strikeouts and only nine and only nine innings, two mm-hmm. walks and two earned runs, both off the home run. If you know if you follow Matthew Boyd, you know he gives up the long ball a lot. But he's in Comerica, even with the the fences moved in a little bit. Um, you know, I still think he's going to be able to get that you know mid fours um, ERA, and he's going to pitch as much as possible. We don't have to worry about his innings. the The Tigers are going to roll him out there for mm-hmm. 150, 160 innings. And we talk about his new um, his uh, his arsenal. He has a completely brand new changeup, and it looks great. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's keeping the hitters off balance. Um, he's no longer throwing the fastball over for first pitch. He's trying to mix in his curve. He's trying to mix up, mix in his changeup early. Um, and then he's been attacking hitters more than I've ever seen, um, just in that small sample size. So at the, where he's going right now, if he can get you 170 innings, you know, that late in the draft and there, he's only 30 years old, you know, he's not, the, he's not a super old guy. So, um, yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing so far with Boyd. What were hey, Marty, on, on the Tigers? Yeah. Right, is the offense going to give him enough runs and is the bullpen going to be able to hold it? Um, I mean, always a good question. I mean, no, no. The what I what I'm looking for for Boyd. Let's say he's your seventh SP. Um, you know, if if you draft well, he should be somewhere around there. You can spot start him. Yep. You know, pitch him against good matchups. I think the strikeouts are going to be there when you do sustain an injury from one of your top five pitchers. He's somebody you can slot in there for the entire year. And I do believe there's a little bit of a ceiling um, that we haven't seen yet. I think that's possible. Or he sucks. You just let him go, baby. Yep. You got him for free. What about uh, Marty with you really quickly? Also, this, I know it's a starting pitcher episode, but staying with the Detroit theme, Alex Lang, does he have that job locked down? I mean, uh, he's like, he's he's been brutal so far. Um, the command is not there at all. Uh, it was really there last year, but Jose Cisnero is maybe the only guy that's kind of knocking on that door right now. Um, there's there's no one behind him, so that's the upside, mm-hmm. right? It's that, that Alex Lang, until he's not the guy, he is the guy. But you can't you you can't see what you've seen so far against you know double A hitting and triple A hitting and uh, 
and, and like that. It's not breeding confidence, but I, I think it's going to slow down his ADP a little bit over these next two weeks. You might be able to get mm-hmm. him at a little bit more of a discount because he was move he was cooking up that board. So this is kind of slow him down a little bit, but uh, I'm not feeling good about it. Yeah, he's one of those guys I think you're taking a shot on if you sleep on closer and you're There's like, just no one else there though. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, and they're not going to trade for anybody. They're not going to buy anybody. It's either him or Jose Cisnero. And is there a guy that they have like in triple a that you could see them calling up if no. you know, it's like a high oh, end. See, I, I think it comes from the retreads. Remember Detroit has Detroit has an entire rotation of retreads. Yeah. Boyd, <laughs> no, it's true. Boyd mm-hmm. Manning, Turnbull, Eduardo and Rodriguez, Kubel, and Casey Mize. And that doesn't even include right Erod. Uh, Erod is there also. I think it might come from there. I think it might come from there. Uh, you know, a lot of times they keep cycling injured pitchers, and sometimes the conclusion is this guy is just never going to get us a hundred pitches mm-hmm. every five days. We're only going to get thirty-one pitches every three or four days, or, or twice every four days, or whatever it is. So I think it might come from within, but I'm not to disagree with Marty. I think Lang gets first shot, and I think it's his to blow, which I think he will also. But I don't, you know, I don't know. They're yeah, they've never uh, at no point has the the Tigers um, staff ever fully committed to Lang. You know, they they right. said they were going to let it play out here in the spring. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, I have Lang and two on two teams. You know, out of the eight I've done so far, so I'm I am definitely more invested than I want to be with all those walks that I'm seeing. But he's going to get the first shot if he rolls with it. You know, he'll be there. Even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't um, be the main closer and they go by a committee, I could see him getting twelve to fifteen saves. Oh, I think that's a lock. No, I think that's yeah. a lock. You know, no, that's, no. And, you can, I think you can that, pencil and where he's going, floor. that's worth it. Yeah, I think you could pencil twelve as a floor. The thing I wanted to get to fast was because I get this a lot. If I put my rankings out, my God, my email's always blown up. People often ask me now about Matthew Boyd. Now, granted, you quoted ADP, and I commend you for quoting recent ADP. The problem is, and it's no one's fault because no one has the answer, right? ADP's particular NFBC, which does a fantastic job because they allow you to time sort, does not account for the current drafts. Okay, so even though it's it's telling you the last seven days, those are drafts that have ended in the last seven days. There are quite a bit of slow drafts going on. So mm-hmm. I, I actually think, I was thinking about this the other day, I can't quantify it. I just think some of it is partially misrepresented because it, like, you, okay, so I did the math because I can't count that high. Boyd's ADP, whatever you gave us, was in the 32nd round. Well, I could tell you for a fact, right, that's not the case. Okay, that's not the case. So this is, that's what I'm getting. The question I'm getting is, not even so much about, oh, is Boyd the guy or like is uh, Bradish the guy? It's when I identify the guy, whoever I think it is, where do I go get him? Because mm-hmm. the big problem has been ADP is telling me this, but even if I'm willing to jump it, I'm not getting it. That number is no good. So you kind of have to – I have found – I was listening to Spore talk about this. He was on your show. Not talking about this specifically, but I know he, he's been guiding listeners through the ranking process for a while, and mm-hmm. it sounds so like Ogo, Ogo Caveman style. Literally take the name and run it up the list until you don't want him as much anymore. So I got Boyd. I got Boyd pretty much as far up as the other guys we were mentioning. You know, where like he uh, Hayden Wesneski is now at 340. He's got to go right there, right? Because, you know, you're kind of tossing up. Wesneski, yeah, we like him. Mm-hmm. What if he doesn't make the rotation? You can't take over similar to what Brad was saying before. It's very hard to take, especially on a shallow bench, a guy – in triple a opposed to Matt Boyd, who might be starting opening day, right? Matt Boyd might be the opening day starter for the Tigers. It's hard to, you know, 
Oh, yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. But even still, he's going to pitch the first series, let's say. Yeah, oh, so yeah, getting absolutely. opportunities, yeah. I think, you know, you just kind of fit it where you need to. And not to mm-hmm. say throw ADP out the window, but don't be looking to get cute, with, especially with these new pieces, right? Matthew mm-hmm. Boyd has not been part of the equation for the entire six months. So the market hasn't properly digested it. It's the, the highly erratic ADPs. Even new kids, Jordan Walker, right? Matthew Boyd. Even I'm, I'm seeing like Brandon Donovan going flying up boards, like where yeah. it's catching people by shock because we knew the hit tool was very good. We know the environment's very good. We know he's a good hitter. But now it looks like the Cardinals are imposing that heavy pull approach on him. Mm-hmm. I was worried it might come at the sacrifice of contact. Well, now he's out here pulling home runs every day in spring training. So if Brandon Donovan is able to put together, like he has, he has a elite, elite plate approach contact profile elite 93% contact whatever he you can't get it past him if they turn that into pull power listen Tommy Edmond is not a home run hitter but they put 14 home runs on the guy because they taught him how to pull those line drives so Brandon Donovan now has a power if they institute this again remember mm-hmm. at this point we're assuming things and this goes for pitchers also where we're kind of assuming on these guys you know so I just go get him I don't almost I don't want to say I don't care wherever I think he fits I go get him and you can yell at me about ADP later well, John, I'll say this with Matthew Boyd in the, my TGFBI league. I got him. And this was, it finally just ended two days ago. I got him. Jeez. I got, I got Jeez, Boyd. Really? I, yeah. Oh. It was, we had really quick. We had two guys that were over two hours and like, it was, God. I'm not going to name them. Right. But brutal. They know who they are. People have reached out to <laughs> Justin Mason. People have reached out to Mason to make sure they don't rejoin. But anyway, uh, Matthew Boyd, I got him in the 28th round. Oh, that's great. I, although I, I think I saw a min in the, not when he, what's the opposite of reserve round during the live rounds or whatever, and during the starter rounds. See, that's where I would definitely draw the line because I think yeah. in in the twenty third round. See, Marty, you kind of get it where you're super sharp, but I think people fail to they replace like they it's this. I need to get this guy. I need to get this guy. At the end of that should be I need to get this guy at a price that makes sense and without sacrificing something better. But I think people lose that right. They lose the forest with the trees. It's you get mm-hmm. you get this lock on Matt Boyd because he's the sleeper. Well, the hype gets but, high. Well, yeah, but right, Matt Matt Boyd twenty third, Matt Boyd twenty eighth. Big difference. Yeah, uh, I wanted to get to this topic next that Brad was going to bring up because I think Boston and their rotation is definitely something that we're, there's a lot of question marks there, and there's a lot of guys in the back end that go in this range. So, Brad, what was your question about those guys? Yeah, so obviously we're well past the range Chris Sale is going, but there's a couple old guys still there. So a Corey Kluber and then a guy who I was using at this point of drafts last year in Pavetta. Are you guys thinking the Red Sox are dropping off so much that that those aren't worth the investment at this time, or are they still worth the flyer? Pavetta was one of my guys. Oh, man, Marty, we're just like our – You guys are just picking them up. Um, so I'll go quickly with it because I feel like I've been talking more than I should. No, 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 you're good. Uh, (laughs) So Pavetta, um, great stuff. Um, average location, but according to Eno, um, his pitch plus is 103. So, you know, there's something he's doing there. He's a workhorse. He's going to have plenty of starts. Less AL East matchups. I like that. Less AL East stadiums. And he's one of those guys that I got him in TGFBI as well. Just one round before Boyd, 27th round. I'm going to be using him as a spot starter until, you know, I, I see a little bit more. But stay away from the good offenses. Stay away from the bad ballparks. But run him out there because of the innings pitched and the red the Red Sox are gonna play him. I think he's their second or third best starter. Like he's he's they they have to, you know, let him let him roll him out there as, as much as possible. So I I really like Pavetta for this year. But I I'm gonna be choosy with my starts. Very fair. I, I think he kind of showed last year 
that he was someone you were you thought was was breaking out, but he showed he was still inconsistent. The, the same Nick. Pavetta, well, Phil Dusso, the robot, was all in on him, so I yeah. know that got people going. You know, <laughs> it's provocative. It, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Pavetta was um, one but, last year. I got after pick three hundred. Yeah, and he and he definitely Sorry, Pavetta I got last year after pick three hundred. Where would you be looking for him this year? Well, I can at least I, I know John was talking about that. Um, you know, obviously these maybe these drafts aren't completely updated, but at least how it up has it updated right now. Nick Pavetta is going at pitcher one sixty two at pick five hundred and eighteen. So let's 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 do the name game. Would you rather have Brian Bayo in the Red Sox rotation, or would you rather Nick Pavetta? Pavetta for me. I would have preferred Bayo if he wasn't Pavetta. if he didn't have the forearm thing, right? He's kind of held yeah. up now. Give me so, Pavetta. Yeah, you gotta go with the yeah, you gotta go with the health. I think right now you have to go with the health. Funny what? that I'm I think I'm, I'm in the same city, but man, I Brad, I'm digging your style because we're we're kind of different, you know, and there's way too much agreeing on stuff. <laughs> I, I've been I've been keeping up more on on like I guess at this stage of the draft, I'm going for more like talent, like filthy upside. And I guess Tyler, you, Mc, you like did Tyler McGill. This. Yeah, well, I was thinking same city, Boston. Both Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock go yeah. late. They've both been like top hundred picks. They both have filth. Like they're both really good, mm-hmm. and they've all both been kind of wholly discarded. Boston has mismanaged so many young players lately. They're and this is not just some Yankee fan. I, I think baseball is better when Boston's good. Mm-hmm. But they've mismanaged the pitching staff at least. So it's funny. I think Brad is onto something. I think there is something there with the the existing. I do, and I think Pavetta is the one to get it from. But I like the backups there. Man, how might even be aligned to crack the opening day rotation? This guy was thought of as like a like a budding superstar, right? Check out the career line mm-hmm. on on Hauk. So it's a little bit short of a nice season. So it's about 150 innings, 302 ERA, 112 WHIP, 591 OPS. Yes, please. 28% K to 8.7 walk, 13 swing and strike, 49 ground ball. You love that. 30% mm-hmm. hard hit, half of a home run per nine. Wait, so he gets swings and misses. He suppresses contact. He keeps the ball on the ground and in the yard on a good team. Like, this should be a no-brainer. How uh, Again, trying to get away from, like, Bradish and Wesneski because they're so popular. I'm now into that, like, next – but like you know, the truffle pig. I'm like I'm, I'm on the next like wave of trees, looking for the next bar. Because everyone ever found those mushrooms. I'm I'm like looking for new mushrooms, and I couldn't <laughs> believe how long it took me to get on Tanner Houck to piggyback off Doc and Garrett before this Boston Red Sox rotation is hanging by a freaking piece of dental floss, man. James yeah. Paxton's already hurt, right? He's they're already they're already hurt. They're already down. They're already down that Hauk is in the into the rotation, perhaps with Whitlock already, Bayo right on the back burner. So I think the Boston rotation, like even if you were to go with Brad's method and suck up some of the existing, man, I think maybe you could even combine it with the guys like with the guys behind it. I think Boston's just very undervalued the pitching staff right now. Then you must love that I that I bet they're under 78 and a half wins. Man, you know, DuPont shook me off that. Jason DuPont, I mean, of course, like I let like the biggest Red Sox homer in the world. He literally is mm-hmm. the biggest Red Sox fan I've ever met. But he shook me off it with like rational breakdown. I just I think maybe we've sold him a little bit short because of this. Like he was talking about the, the bullpen is, is way improved. You know, the 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 rotation, once you get pilled off the 
you know, that bruised layer of James Paxton and the bruised layer of, you know, whatever filth is going on. I think those other guys are good. He tends to like the lineup additions more than I do. I thought, I thought the lineup took a huge step backwards. They're like in love with, you know, Yoshida and Casas now. Like, I, I don't know. You know I'm still saying yeah, I, I thought so too, but I, I, you know what? I got, a, I caught a lot of flack for it and I backed away from a coward. I'm a coward. <laughs> Doc, give us another name. So my second guy, and this is kind of a homer pick, but it's Cole Irvin, and it's going to be nothing sexy. Once again, this this range of people, you're, you know, everybody kind of has their approach for how they want to do it, but he's going to be an innings eater, 178 and 181 the last two seasons. The O's don't really have much pitching depth, and mm-hmm. I think the the whole thing of getting him and Gibson was just to be innings eaters to get to that bullpen that has been really good for them the last couple seasons. They're going to play in less AL East games, so less games against the Red Sox, against the Yankees, against the Blue Jays, who always seem to kill them each year. I know um, great, great uh, in terms of limiting base runners, walking, 93rd percentile of um, walk percentage. Now, if you go to his stat, cat, his stat cast page, he is a Mr. Freeze. But yep. I'm looking at his first half where he threw 95 innings, a 321 ERA, 238 batting average and a 279 OPP because the thing that really kind of threw him off is if you look at September, he had a 6.75 ERA, but he got nine wins on the A's last year. So I think there's a very real possibility with the O's that he could get 10 plus. And this is a cheap source of wins of counting stats, maybe not the best ERA and whip, but can provide value in a couple other categories. Once again, pass pick a hundred. All right. I want to close this discussion out. If there's one more name that has not been said, if you there's if there's nobody else you want to add to it, fantastic. But if there's one more name that you would like to throw into this discussion for our listeners to know that this is somebody you should be looking at after SP 100, John, you first, who would be the guy for you? All right. I, I was coughing it out before, but all kidding aside, I think it, we got to get on Clark Schmidt. I think yeah. the... The helium maybe hasn't quite started yet. I feel like a lot of this has had to do with the WBC. People are just not overreacting because of all the rosters are very much split right now. And I think mm-hmm. once that dust settles, we'll get a, a real press, uh, like a price correction. So, I mean, the pathway is open for Schmidt to start, which, of course, uh, you know, opportunity is at the fore of all this stuff. From mm-hmm. what we saw from him last year, he was very good for them. You know, he went uh, 57 and two-thirds. I got 312 ERA, one two whip. The whip's not great, but 648 OPS, you know we love. 287 expected wall by anything under 300 is just fantastic. 24K with a touch to mux walks, but I do like the 30% CSW. That's always, always really important. He also forces mm-hmm. a lot of pop-ups and has kept the ball in the yard. Maybe to that point we were speaking about before with pitch mix changes. One, the Yankees have said they're going to get him to start throwing a cutter that he that it's weird that. I guess that he likes it's working. But more than that, last year, what I saw that was so encouraging that they had him pull back on the sinker, which really wasn't very good pitch. So that sinker was at 23 use, 450 X slug, 15% whiff. I mean, a 450 mm-hmm. slug allowed and 15% whiff is not a good pitch. So to use it 23% of the time is almost a primary. Feels like a stylistic mistake. They're shifting that. Now that moved into the slider. 38% whiff, 283 mm-hmm. X log, and a 41% whiff rate. Like it's really be it's just beyond me sometimes that you could have different pitches that are so disparate. It's like one pitch is totally hittable meatball, 
one pitch is the purest filth no one can touch, and they're still, mm-hmm. no, 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 more sinkers, sinker, sinker. And the Yankees now have been doing that. So that's one thing, as much I knocked them for the young kids, with the pitchers on the mound, the Yankees certainly have maximized pitch mix, getting the most out of pitchers, the most that they have. I, we even saw that from like Ty on and stuff. So, yeah, I think Clark Schmidt's going to be really, really good. There's a lot of whiffs there. He's still really young, and we've seen a bit of the potential. You know, if there's another level to go here, Mm-hmm. This could be like the Yanks three down the stretch, you know. Interesting. Clark Schmidt's name on the rise here. That's John's guy he's sticking to here. I think Marty, you gave a few guys. Was there anybody else that you um um I'm just gonna say do not draft you say Kikuchi. Just don't I'm seeing more and more of people starting to like get back on the train because you see the strikeouts or whatever it is. He has an XERA always over five. Hey, your tongue. Just... anyone in my league should draft me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyone playing against me should draft me. I can't yeah. believe people keep falling. And you can just Venmo John um, you know, directly. Fall. Oh, my. If um, there is a, all this guy needs is a shirtless hype video in black and white throwing something slow I just, motion. Just I just don't get it. But, I, John, I wanted to ask you. Um, this is just an overall strategy question. Because with all of these pitchers, they're going to be your reserve pitchers, right? They're going to be pitchers from your bench. When you're constructing, let's say, in a 15-team league, TG, FBI, or – whatever it is, like a, a bigger league, when you're creating your team, do you use the bench to like load up on like three or four starters that might break out? Or how do you, how do you use that bench? Are you looking to okay. get a back, back up shortstop because you might, you know, wh- wh- how do you, what do you do there? Okay. It's probably a timing thing. So right now, fab season is just starting and we're two weeks away from first pitch. That's a lot of time. A lot of information, new information is going to happen. And there's going to be a really impactful waiver period. So I am purely shooting the moon in, in the reserve rounds. I do not want anybody vanilla. Like I almost drafted like Gene Segura in a reserve round. That's the opposite of what you want to do in a reserve round with two weeks ago. The opposite. You're much better off shooting the moon. And had you drafted you know, Anthony Volpe in that spot a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. you're looking really good right now. But the, I, you know, that's how you, that's how you go after it. You know, give me the, High strikeout guys, guys that might make, might make rosters, right? That could be the big payoff. And you mentioned earlier, Mari, more than once, maybe the most important part of the decision is when you know, easy cut, easy cut, baby. Mm-hmm. Those are tremendous decisions. So right now I'm focusing on easy cuts, high payoff, easy cuts. You know, especially with closer specs and stuff like that, right? That's how you, that's how you do it. When it comes to like more closer, like when I had big drafts the night before, I'll be honest. I don't want to. Sh- I really would have. I'd, I'd probably have no hitters on a perfect bench mm-hmm. because I have found, especially in, you're mentioning deep NFBC style at bats and plate appearances, really, I feel like are at the premium. They're the mm-hmm. hardest things to find in quality and abundance at the end. Where maybe if everyone should play to their strengths, I feel like I'm very good at pitching analysis. So I love a lot of the late pitching, not, you know, not 400 ADP pitching, but a lot of the pitching we've talked about. Like I'll take a lot of those guys especially when it comes to the opportunity cost of the trade-off earlier on. I have found everyone is chasing two starters. Everyone is chasing like a stream where if you build your starting rotation two or three arms deeper than it needs to be at the expense of hitters that you don't want to rotate, and then you find yourself choosing rather than streaming, right? It's just you have a deeper rotation of viable starters. So for me, it's been uh, hitting up front, I'm foregoing closing in fab leagues until the end. I'll figure that out. I'll stream that. And again, I, there are guys that people just don't like. You know, you can get Kendall Graveman at the end. Even like, let's say you want one like kind of good 
closer. Nobody wants Alexis Diaz. He could get 40 saves and have 95 strikeouts this year. Nobody wants him because he's a red. Shane Green closed 31 games for the Tigers in like half a season. Crazy stuff happens. You remember, sometimes bad teams don't separate in those wins, mm-hmm. and every win is a save situation. So you just don't try to outsmart wins and saves. That stuff doesn't matter. Take filth, take high upside, and I'd rather try and rotate viable starting pitchers. I have just found trying to find off the wire while everyone else is doing the same thing is such a fool's errand. It really is. It really is such a fool's errand. Like taking bad pitchers because they're facing bad offenses is not really a path to fantasy glory. I don't think. <laughs> Right, you want you want strikeouts, man. You want yeah. that's to me. You could see the guys I like are all strikeouts. My drafts are all strikeout guys, and especially in Fab, give me all mm. the Marlins. Give me like Edward Cabrera on every team because he's either going to be great or he's going to be hurt. Right, I don't I'm not going to draft too many Tyler Andersons. I like Tyler Anderson, but I'm not going to draft too many tie-ons of Tyler Anderson. Maybe one, two maximum. Like Doc was saying, even a guy like yeah. Cole Irvin, don't undersell 180 innings with a 112 whip. Don't undersell that. But he very aptly put. He doesn't expect too much. That's a final piece. You know what I mean? That's like the last piece of glue in the dam to make yeah. it stick. But I want all the strikeouts, all the ceiling. Because half these guys are going to get hurt or dropped anyway. So yeah. I play for the top side. Yeah. The last name, talk about Michael Waka. I know, uh, Brad, you were bringing him up for the Padres. I think we, he kind of fits the, the sixth men theme we were talking about is someone who could step in and uh, get a rotation spot, especially you know Joe Musgrove, obviously, is going to miss some time. And uh, like Snell's been known to be a friend of the IL. So if you need innings, I don't I think that uh, you can take a stab on uh, take a stab on him, if you will, especially going after pick 400. I think that's that's not a bad um, chance to take him there. We're going to close out the show. I'm going to read you some names and I want you guys German style. To say Ja or Nine, if you would draft this player for your fantasy team, okay. So let's uh, just just give me the the word. I have to explain why, just so our audience can get a sense if we're behind these guys or not. Rowanzi Contreras, Ja, Nine, <laughs> Ja, Brad, Nine. Oh, we were split down the middle on that one. I, uh, I guess it's um, I, we. I know we're kind of going long, so I have a couple more names we'll throw out here. Um, what about Aaron Savale? Yeah, <laughs> he's good. Yeah, he's yeah, good. Friend of the show, but nine. <laughs> I remember my first beer. <laughs> nine this for is, me. This is, this is fantastic. Yeah. We're, we haven't had a consensus one yet. Okay, what about? Let's talk about oh, Brandon. Oh, going to be good, man. He closed out strong. Be careful. He's be good. Brandon Fat of the Diamondbacks. Nine. Oh, Fat is good. Nine. Yeah. Nine. Fat is good. <laughs> I'm I'm pro Fat, obviously. So. Yeah, <laughs> fat is good. All right. Uh, Nine for me. What'd you say it was? Nine for me. Oh, I want the wise. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How about Adam Wainwright? No, that's not what we do here, John. Come on. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Nine, you gotta, you gotta say, in a DC. In a DC. That's oh. all I'm going to say. We already talked about You have to throw 82. How do you say 82? I'm going nine. That's that's the Reds' bias of. Yeah, nine. Um, 82 in German is. <laughs> Z- oh, my, holy moly. <laughs> Zweintagedig. It, it literally Google it. I don't even know how you say that. Someone maybe that speaks German that watches. 
or listen. Ah, romance languages. Um, Mitch Keller. Nine. But I see a spot. I see. I see something there. But right now, I don't have him anywhere, so I have to say nine. Why am I agreeing with Marty on everything? I literally agree with that analysis exactly. Nine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I guess nine, I guess. I don't know. I fought for so many times, man. This time last year, I was like, look at the hype video. I know. It's crazy. too low on the Pirates. His stuff is good, though. He's got uh, I'm not following it. The Mitch Keller move is... The and Mitch Keller move is if he pitches well enough that he gets traded and can get you wins on the back half of the year. Yeah. What about we didn't talk about him a ton, David Peterson. I'll say yeah. I'll say, I would say Ja. Yeah, me too. I expect because the price is so cheap. Although that's, that's a light Ja, though. A light, yeah. a light Ja. A light Ja. Okay. <laughs> you think he gets yeah. the? Do you think he gets the role? There's a bit around here. It's a it's a hot topic of discussion here. I think he does. I think he does. He's looking really good. He doesn't right? have a long leash. leash. He doesn't it's have over a long to him leash. And it's him versus McGill, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thinking here is the Mets want a lefty. Peterson is the only lefty they have. Oh well, that would make sense. Yeah. I, I mean, how I much is it worth the worst? Pay? I think McGill might be. Well, Peterson looked great with the slider last time out. McGill, we saw some brilliance from him, and then he fell apart. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that's like. For the most part, that's uh, I'll throw this name out too because I, I brought him up earlier. I I was more in on him earlier in the offseason. I've kind of started to fade away a little bit more. Kyle Muller of the A's. Nine, eight, nine, nine, eight, nine, ten. No way. <laughs> There's a reason all these guys, the, the entire A staff, is available after 400. You know, it's true. Yeah. Okay, I, think, I mean, that was a pretty good list of Let names. Let me ask one. Herman yeah. Marquez, but you're only going to pitch him on the road. Nine. Nine. Still nine. Okay. Nine. I don't nine. know. Why isn't he a Yankee? I'm so upset about this. He should have been a Yankee. Like <laughs> he should have been traded three years ago At for least his own sake. The Rockies is just straight up malpractice. They're just, ugh, they're the worst. There they are. Um, yeah. On that note. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> they're getting at anything. They, are, they really are bad. Uh, on that note. John, Brad, thank you so Yo, much for joining man, the show so tonight. To you, man. This is awesome as always. John, please plug all the great work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so, so much. Twitter, yes. All the good stuff. Yes, follow me on Twitter at John Legaze. I spelled the way it is down there. J-O-H-N-L-A-G-H-E-Z-Z-A. I'm at The Athletic. We're coming hot and heavy. And my piece, The Resistance, maybe the thing I'm the most proud of maybe ever in this industry so far is I did a top 625 5x5 ranks which doesn't sound that impressive, except I started doing detailed Mm write-ups. And I wrote up the top 125 players, not to be like in the way only I can, but in a way maybe I might be the only person crazy enough to do this. So it's like, at this point, it's over 125 players. It's over 40,000 words. You could search by player or by position. I've got head-to-head ranks. I also have underdog ranks I'm super proud of (laughs) because I took my underdog ranks. I don't know if anybody saw this. So I took them, I uploaded them, and I ran an auto-draft. And it was awesome. So that's how you know that your ranks are good. I was straight up ran an auto draft and didn't know intric- I mean, you have to keep adjusting. So, and it's only $9.99 and it goes for, the, it's good for the whole season. So, like, you know, I didn't, let's say I don't want to make money on it, but I wanted to reach out to people that, that want more of this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you could charge the same NFBC players a hundred bucks and it's not going to grow the community at all. So I was hoping that, listen, for the simpler players, you could just get your cheat sheet and your ranks and mm-hmm. try and win your league. But for the more advanced people or people just kind of wondering, like, what the hell is going on here? 
You could search by a player, and every player has a fat little box. And oh my gosh, it's so ridiculous. It's injuries and pitch shape, velocity, right? All the nuanced stuff, right? All the stuff that is not in the box score. And man, the feedback has been ridiculous. These things are selling like crazy. I can't believe it, man. But yeah, I, I think anyone. And how do you get that, real, John? Where do you, you, where do you go? Just follow me on Twitter. The link will take you right to the right there. It's my pin tweet. It's on Sharpener, but the actual link is a little hard to read. But yeah, everything's streamlined through Twitter. I'm also a total shill, and I tweet about it like 40 times a day. So if you follow me on Twitter, you can't miss it. But all kidding aside, I mean, the feedback has been awesome because I think what people are beginning to appreciate about my stuff is I'm not like, this is right and do this. I oftentimes mm -hmm. present both sides. You know, this is what I see. There are good. There is bad. And it's up to us collectively to try and weigh these things out. And, and I don't know, it's just kind of taken off. It's been a lot of fun. I'm updating it basically every single day. So, yeah, hop on in. Let me know. I, I, I love the feedback more than anything. You know, people being like, wow, what about this? What about that? And to that, you know, I had to move up Joey Manessis because one of my readers kind of challenged me. And he was right. Just because a guy's 29 or 30, when he hits his first 10 major league home runs, doesn't mean he's bad. I love it. Make sure you check that out. John's pin tweet. If you're interested in seeing those rankings, that sound awesome. Brad, anything you would like to, to plug or to say to our audience before we sign off for the night? Sure. Nothing in mind to plug. So obviously if you've made it an hour, 10 minutes plus to the triple play <laughs> podcast, you don't need me to tell you how great work these guys do. But uh, if you're like me and you typically only listen on the podcast, jump on the YouTube and, and follow them live and add some comments too. helps get your questions answered as well. And if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. John does great work. All of the writers there are awesome. I, I joined probably three years ago by now, four years ago, uh, when they first started doing a promo price, and I have no problem paying the full price in the year since. So great work, everyone. Thanks for having me. Cool. Brad, can, we, can, you, uh, can, you, can you give us a promise that you'll come back on? Whenever you want to have me, let me know. Yes. Awesome. We'll be doing that. Uh, we'll definitely be hitting you up during the season to come back on here. Cool. Um, Doc, Marty, I'm thinking if anything to plug, all the triple player ball leagues are filled. Uh, join the Discord. It's always pinned in the YouTube uh, the YouTube video. Usually cool. once it uh, goes live, we'll have the uh, Discord pinned. What else am I missing? Uh, make sure uh, as we get ready to sign off, you guys join Underdog Fantasy and you use code TRIPLE. Uh, if you use code TRIPLE, it will get you 100% of your deposit match up to $100. And um, you can come play with us too. We do Underdog Best Ball Drafts every Wednesday and we put them out on the YouTube channel every Saturday. So if you want to get in on the Underdog Draft with us, just DM Doc at Triple Fantasy. He will get you guys hooked up and you can draft with us on a stream. It's a good time. We have a good time every week doing it. Um, did you see I, they, um, did you see, under, and I don't, underdog does not pay me. I just happen to love it because it feeds yeah. my year round degeneracy, but also to, to credit to them in order to like keep out the whales like me for the new players, they have a, a, it's called the warm up too. Mm -hmm. So it's a lower priced tournament. So it's a, it's a $3 tournament. But it also, more importantly for the new players, because this is what I get a lot of, eh, you have all these rankings, you guys are so far ahead. This tournament is a three-entry max. So there is no mass. The, the best ranking, the best algorithm, doesn't. I don't want to say it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but a lot of times underdog winners are mass entry players, right? Mm -hmm. The people are mass entry players. It's a known thing. That's not, it's, mm -hmm. it's what it is, you know. The $3 one, that's really cool because you really got to be strict. 
listen, man, I have 80 dingers already. So like now I'm at the point where I'm drafting <laughs> guys. I'm just not saying I draft anybody, but like, you know, like you get a little bit looser because you don't want the same exact team. But that one is the my highest recommendation recommendation for new players is to check that one out because for three bucks and those doing those drafts is like, you know, doing blow on a motorcycle, yeah. jumping off a helicopter <laughs> like, or in the middle of the Grand Canyon during a hailstorm, you know, while the ball is dropping on New Year's. It's just totally, it really is. It's just total maniacism. It's like, it's the most craziest thing, man. If you love drafting, it's all, it runs right out. I love it. Yeah. And it'll pay me. Believe that? Good spokesman, right? <laughs> underdog. Underdog got to get John with that sponsor. I know, right? No, no, no. They couldn't afford me, dude. I spoke to them. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I love it. For John, for Brad, for Doc, Marty Party. I'm D Mendy. We're going to make guys, like a man. bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. We'll catch you all next week for our relief kitchen preview. <laughs> <laughs>